0: Welcome to
1: Raw the Podcast with Emma and Amy, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity.
0: We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life to special needs and infant loss. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone.
1: I'm Emma, a rural living mum to two premier and medically complex girls, Hazel Earthside and our warrior Willow up in the stars.
0: And I'm Amy, special needs and medical mummer to premier boys James and Jack, and a fierce advocate for the premier and special needs community.
1: We don't share your average mummer stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief, and trauma. I mean, let's be honest. We've been through more shit than some could ever imagine. So at this point, we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note, we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it.
0: And lastly... Let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. Above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles, both here and in heaven, bring to our lives, and we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special, a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm, and together we'll roar. Hey, Roras, it's Amy here. Gosh, it's been a hectic couple of weeks for me. Um, I, where do I start? We've had COVID. Jack was in hospital for five days. Um, he recently turned three, which was a really exciting day. Um, but yeah, I'm hopeful that after this episode goes live that we'll start to get back into the routine and swing of things with a few less interruptions. I'm going to keep this intro sharp and short, but I did really want to say a big thank you to our loyal listeners for coming back each week doesn't go unnoticed and it absolutely warms our hearts. We'd love if you could do one thing for us this week, each of you. Either share our pod to your social media stories, forward it to someone you know who might need us, or engage on our posts or in the Aurora's Facebook group in some way. As the weeks go on, we are receiving less feedback, which is only natural. Um, but we obviously want to keep you guys involved and we want to make sure we're reaching our community and chatting about stuff that you want to hear. So please keep up the love. Please keep interacting and letting us know your thoughts, um, your feelings and each episode we'd love to hear what really hit home for you guys. It seriously keeps us going each week um, hearing from you and what you probably don't realise is the more that you engage the further we are reaching which is our biggest aim. Okay that's the end of me calling in a favour, thank you. So this week we asked Tara who you'll remember as darling Jude's mama from just a couple of episodes ago to come back and have a chat Our chat with Tara was so easy and really filled our cups. And because they had such a long, heart-wrenching story, we felt like we didn't get to finish it and really knuckle down into the important stuff with Tara. So that's what we're doing in this episode. Tara and I chat about the impact, repercussions and ongoing challenges of a disability diagnosis and how it can hit months or even years later after survival mode has worn off. We touch on a few topics that we haven't really talked about before which I think you'll be able to relate to including the feelings of both anger and relief that can come with a diagnosis, our natural desire to protect and shield others despite what we ourselves are experiencing and the challenges of good old social media. We hope you love it and can't wait to hear which parts hit home for you. All right welcome back Tara, thanks for joining us again. Um, We obviously shared your story a couple weeks ago or Drew's story and It was quite a long one, so we didn't actually get much of a chance to delve into, I guess, how the story impacted on you and Sam um, and your mental health and, I guess, the impact of a diagnosis that was quite sudden. So we've come back to have a chat about that.
2: Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I really enjoyed speaking with you guys last time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I know you said at the end you kind of were hoping that you'd be able to um, share a little bit more of yeah the background of the story. So that's why we've had you back because I think it's really important. While obviously your story is super important, it's also um, important that we talk about how that um, affects us emotionally, mentally, um, even you know physically and financially. It's a it's a huge burden, and it comes with a lot of challenges. So I think it's really important that you've come back and. Yeah, we'll have, I think we'll have a lot to say and obviously I've got a little bit to share about that as well but I guess I wanted to ask you first of all how initially Jude's diagnosis was quite sudden and you were just in survival mode so did it really hit you, his diagnosis and everything that happened initially or did it take you a little bit of time to, I guess, have that hit you? Did it hit you more when you were home or yeah, when did you find that it started to really have an impact on you?
2: Yeah, I think... Um initially we were it was just so traumatic and we didn't really have a chance to really take it all in it was literally like you said survival mode so it wasn't really until mm. you know after a couple of days we sort of sat down and were like okay well this is what's happening and I think I've spoken to you about um like the impact of his brain injury I don't really think we really understood that either to begin with um even yeah. when we found out he had the GBS, we didn't understand how detrimental that was going to be to him. We knew he was sick, but we just couldn't comprehend how sick he was and what was going to happen from there. So obviously the repercussions of that. So I feel like, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely took us a little while to get our heads around it. And we didn't even have that time together to really talk about it much you know we were in the the PICU and um, just focusing on him and we didn't really have that one-on-one time at night or anything because I was staying at the hospital and Sam was going home and then we would swap so I feel like we yeah didn't really get much time to process that until later on.
0: Yeah and you do like I say this a lot about the NICU as well when James was born um, you just deal with what's in front of you every day and you don't actually realize you know, he, James was born with a life-threatening platelet disorder so his platelets were severe when he was born and we were told that he might not survive. And at that time you, you just, I don't even think I understood, no. yeah, the complications that could have happened from that and just how vulnerable that situation was until probably months later when I got home and actually had a chance to almost do my own research and to... Um, think back on it because yeah in that moment you are just you, you almost don't even have the capacity to to take all that on board and you're just yeah you're just getting through each day aren't you yeah well you're yeah. just so
2: caught up with what's happening in the now like you don't have the capacity to even yeah. think about what you know the future holds or the severity of it I feel like It's part of the trauma yeah
0: yeah did it sort of as your time went on with Judy in hospital did it did all of that sort of just build up, do you think? Did you just take one thing after another on your shoulders and then you weren't able to actually deal with that until you got home?
2: Yeah, I feel like, um, because it was sort of like every day it was, it was something new and especially with like the brain injury, it was like each day we were getting told, you know, Mm. like, oh, he might have problems with his vision. And then the next day it was like, he has that much damage to that part of the brain that he's not going to have normal vision. So it sort of like progressed each day. And then, you know, it was um, I remember a conversation we had with his pediatrician just before we went to um, New South Wales and she had the NDIS conversation with me and um, I was just so, so gobsmacked. Like I just didn't even fathom that he was going to be disabled like I knew he had a brain injury I knew all of this had happened but I didn't even look that far into the future to think he's going to need help in the future um you know he's he's disabled but I just couldn't didn't even fathom that and I remember the conversation with her was so hard and you know she sat us down and said she was going to write this letter to NDIS and she pretty much told us what she was going to say and I mean she was fantastic she told us everything she was going to say and why she was saying it and
0: yeah. all of
2: that sort of stuff. But, but it's confronting. It, it is, yeah. and you don't yeah. want to read it read yeah. on a bit of paper. Like, it just sort of makes no. it real. <laughs> I don't know. Like,
0: it does, yeah. it does. And that's, yeah, I had very similar with, like, obviously very different situations, but with Jack again. And because for NDIS um, and especially, you know, with therapists and stuff, they put worst case scenario um, so that you get the funding that you need. But it is. It's it's a big smack in the face, and it's really confronting. And it's not something that you would generally, someone would say to you about your child. But because yeah, they're putting it putting it down on paper because they need to. It's um. I remember being really shocked by what I was reading and going, "Is this? Yeah. Is this even the truth?" But you know, it is, and it's your reality. But it's it's not easy.
2: Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's really hard to read, especially like you said with Jack. They say worst case scenario and. It's still somewhat real. Do you know what I mean? Like it might be a little bit exaggerated, oh, yeah, but it's still like your reality. And
0: but that could be your scenario. It, exactly. Yeah, you that's, don't know. It's not going to say that it's not gonna be. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
0: And you know anything, anything better than that is a is a blessing. Yeah. Um, but they have to, you know, they have to say the truth and what could happen. And essentially, you are then aware of it as well because they can't really hide hide that from you but it is I just think that the wording that they use in those assessments and on that paperwork is quite yeah yeah quite confronting it's probably not the way they would say it to you if they were giving you a diagnosis to your face
2: um, and I'm sure you've probably found with Jack as well um, I find like with his therapies and stuff it's always it's very negative it's not like oh he's doing good doing this yeah or he can do this considering this is great it's always you know he can't do this he should be doing this and it's yeah where they need the support
0: the most yeah and it's
2: just so hard to you know that angle of things is really difficult
0: yeah and it's your it's your baby like it's your pride and joy and it's your everything so it's it's, yeah it, it hits it hits heavy on your heart I remember feeling almost a little bit you know, there's that sense of guilt and that lack of control, and wanting to protect them, and just feeling so vulnerable about it all. Because I don't know, you just you just want to wrap them up in a big cuddle and hide them yeah. away from the world because it just seems so unfair. And you wish that you could do something to to protect them from it all. But
2: yeah, yeah. definitely. And I don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry. I um I just feel like I I always get so defensive, not necessarily to the therapist, but I just feel like I always want to say, well, considering what he's been through, I think he's doing great. And it's like from a clinical view, that's not what they're looking at, but I just feel like I always want to defend and, you know, stick up for him and remind them that he is doing a good job. And I'm sure they know that. Yeah. And that's
0: just that mama, mama instincts wanting to protect and
2: definitely
0: yeah you you see all the the good and that's that's you wish everyone else was able yep. to do that as well definitely. but yeah I guess I've got a job to do and our job is to be mum exactly. <laughs> but yeah exactly. it doesn't make it any easier no, that's for sure
2: definitely
0: not and I know like obviously you talked about doing the NDIS paperwork was there some sort of I guess fear I know a lot of our listeners have the the one emotion they said they felt when they got a diagnosis was fear, um, especially for the future and what that would hold. Um, And again, it goes back to that lack of control and having no real idea, especially in your case, you know, you kept getting told, we don't know how this is going to impact Jude. I know for me there was a fear was a very big element of our diagnosis as well. Um, Did you and Sam sort of talk about, that and what your
2: future could look like 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 I said we hadn't even fathomed that at the time we just it it sort of came without no warning and I don't think we really spoke about it initially it was kind of we may have had a small conversation Mm. about it um but it wasn't until we got back from Sydney and we started looking into things for NDIS that we sort of had that conversation um obviously when that doctor spoke to us in New South Wales um and sort of said to us about Jude not having much of a quality of life Um, when he had that conversation with us that obviously brought up a lot for us around that aspect and we did have quite a few conversations about that obviously we were concerned you know what challenges he is going to have in the future um, how that was going to impact him how independent he's going to be because you always expect your you know you have a child and you always just imagine that they're going to be independent when they're older and they're going to do all the typical children things you know and I think the reality that that might not be Jude's life did have a big impact on us as well
0: yeah so how did it affect your mental health like have you have you experienced any sort of I guess symptoms of you know anxiety depression flashbacks or anything from that time
2: I'd say I definitely suffer from anxiety um I did go on like a mental health plan through my local gp and um was seeing a psychologist yeah. um up until late last year but um i also yeah. started working at the children's hospital after i went back from maternity leave which i hadn't worked there previously and i actually found that really really hard um initially yeah. i was starting a new job and then i also was going back to this place that brought so much trauma um, and yeah. n- nobody knew my background nobody knew Jude's background so at the time it was yeah. really quite hard to navigate that and I did find myself in some pretty I would say awful situations where I was I would say probably borderline yeah. having like anxiety attacks and stuff yeah, in the okay. early days um, yeah. but I mean I've sort of managed most things on my own and don't know whether that's the best thing to do I just seek a lot of help from others like talk talking to people for me is the biggest thing that helps me um if I keep it bottled up it just ends up exploding and I have yeah yeah.
0: and when you say talking to people do you mean like family and friends or people within this community
2: I have really good family and friend support yeah like a bit of both but I do really really find talking to people within the The disability community, um, you know, so helpful, um, so supportive. Not to say that friends and family aren't because they are, but I think having that little bit of understanding as well goes a long way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And did you find that obviously you've started blogging and writing it down that that helped as well? It's almost like a form of therapy in itself and a release of all those emotions. Yeah, definitely. Did you find that helpful? Yeah, so helpful.
2: Found it really really healing and just to be able to get that those thoughts out and to be able to explain the trauma. Um, I know it's not for everyone, I guess, but for me that really helped me just to be able to get that out in the open so people yeah. knew exactly how I was feeling or, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think it brings a bit like, bit of insight to people around you as well so they understand
2: yeah, a definitely. little bit of what
0: you've been through and you're feeling because it is hard to just, you don't want to just have that conversation with people. Um, yeah and especially multiple people you know over and over again but even you don't even have to share it with people I found like I know people that have just written in a journal and just getting it out onto paper is enough like it doesn't need to be seen by other people but I do think that that, so many people in this community um, write and journal and blog and I think that it's pretty pretty big proof that it's it's helpful. Oh definitely
2: yeah Yeah. and you know, I yeah. share it on my Facebook or my social media and if people want to read it, they can read it. Like it's a, you know, it's a free, yeah. it's up to them. Yeah. You know, they want to click on it and read it, yeah. that's great. If not, that's totally fine too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I know that, um, I mean, a little bit different, I guess, in your case because you didn't really have a diagnosis until it was, like we said, it was it was happening and it was all very real. Um, but in you know in our case some, with Jack and a few other people have said this, a um, few of our listeners have said this that they felt almost a relief when they got a diagnosis. So after months of fighting, um, advocating, knowing you know mum gut that something was wrong, and it sounds like an awful thing to say when you you get relief for a, for a diagnosis, but I think. In a way, it's that, um, I don't know, that finally you're getting the help that you need rather than, oh, yes, they've got a diagnosis. Uh, It's definitely someone's listened to me and now we know what we're dealing with and we can work to treat and improve it. And for me, I don't know that I felt relief initially, even though we had four and it took us about five months to get a proper diagnosis for Jack. Initially, I was just so sad um, because Jack's tube went in pretty much the day after we found out he was aspirating and I had to give up breastfeeding. It was all very quick and sudden. then even when we got that diagnosis, it was quite a shock. So um, I just felt so, um, so sad for him. Um, And even myself, like we'd been through so much and nothing was sort of, nothing we'd been through to get him was natural. You know, conceiving him, um, his pregnancy was extremely high risk and filled with hospital admissions and his birth um so then to have you know breastfeeding and all of that normalcy of newborn life taken away was yeah I was just I was pissed off more than anything
2: (laughs) yeah I think it's interesting you say that because I feel like anger is something that I've I've felt like that's like I'm angry (laughs) and Yeah. yeah people you know will ask me you know what you know how I'm feeling or and always angry is the first thing that comes to mind like just angry at life yeah really um that sounds really bitter and that whole (laughs) but
0: no but it is and it's like it's that fine line between you know not trying to click the unfair button too much or say why me but at the same time you need to (laughs) you need to feel those emotions because it is unfair Mm. and it, yeah, you do. Of course, you don't. You wish that that hadn't happened to you, and you're angry that it's happened to you. It's
2: yeah, only natural. Exactly.
0: But I, uh, I, I think I'm still angry. Yeah,
2: yeah I don't think I ever <laughs> will not be angry.
0: Everyone's, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you go through stages. You know, you'll be angry, and then you'll, um, you sad. And I was like, no, nah, I'm still bloody angry. Yeah. I think that'll never go away. <laughs> it's but, like um... the
2: seven stages of grief, <laughs> and they've got all the other stages. I'm like, no, I think yeah. I'm stuck on angry. I think it's just uh, yeah I can't yeah. seem to move faster yeah I think
0: I think it's still I think I'll always have a bit of anger and bitterness over this stage of our life yeah. even when we're well past it yeah because it is it's that loss again that loss and that you're grieving again you're grieving something that didn't go the way that you had hoped yeah. and expected and that'll
2: always hold a little bit
0: of bitterness and
2: resentment and yeah that's completely normal yeah um I we just had Easter and I actually really struggled around Easter just sort of seeing Mm, like all the like you know all these kids that are Jude's age doing like Easter egg hunts and they obviously understand the the you know what they're doing and they're searching for eggs and I've had so many people you know did Jude Jude enjoy his egg hunt or is Jude doing an egg hunt is he excited for Easter Bunny I was like he's got no idea um yeah you know and we didn't do an egg hunt or anything and I know it's such a small thing like we still spent time with family and had a great time and everything but I think like the grief of missing out on those sorts of things is really hard as well um Yeah.
0: yeah and it's not a small thing I think we downplay it so much like we're just so used to going oh but you know it could be you know, yeah. could be worse or that's a small thing or I know there's bigger issues but it is a big thing to us um and it's I think we need to acknowledge that because yeah we just seem to get so good at putting on a brave face and wiping these things under the table and I remember you actually messaged me when you were struggling with Easter um and this is like this is where I I just feel like the more we talk about it and openly share these feelings the the better people are going to understand it but it's hard it's really hard to go onto your social media and be like I'm pissed off because your kids are having Easter hunt and mine can't you can't say that so it is there's still this this element of having to keep it a little bit to ourselves and to put a lid on it when yeah Yeah, I like it that's why again why we, we reach out to our Said, our tribe don't really exactly. that, that get it
2: because it almost yeah. seems like yeah. you shouldn't be you know upset about it it seems like such a small thing yeah. and you know we still like I said caught up with family and had a really good time but it's just those little things that really eat you up inside and it is hard to share that with people yeah. um, without sounding ungrateful yeah. like you said yeah
0: yeah that's the that's the one thing I've always struggled with is mm. that Trying to trying to be vulnerable and show all of the emotions and be real about everything that we've been through, but still showing how grateful I am. Like it's really hard yeah. to find that balance. Um, and I've had a lot of people, quite a few people, say to me that I do that really well. And I show, you know, the the ups and the downs, but never sort of make it look like I'm looking for sympathy or that I'm not grateful but at the same time I you know it's it's so hard I kind of do feel like no matter what you share with these sort of stories you're going to get that that sympathy and that um pity um which is fine um yeah I'd rather that than people just ignore it altogether
2: Mm.
0: but um yeah, it's such a fine line and I don't, I, I really, I've had a couple people, you know, they're obviously trolls and I know mm. that but I've gotten the whole, can't believe you're sharing this photo of your child in this vulnerable situation. You clearly just want people to feel sorry for you. Um, Yeah, yeah. it's just, that's, that's what makes you question yourself and sharing and even though you know it's just someone trying to rub you up the wrong way and get a reaction it does it it hits it hits you yeah that one comment out of the
2: hundreds of positive ones um but yeah I find it really hard as well to share photos I know when Jude so when Jude went into hospital and was in PICU and we you know found out he was really really sick and we obviously didn't do write anything on social media we just messaged close friends and family and then people sort of found out from there but he had his one month you know he turned a month old in PICU and I remember Sam and I having a discussion and we decided to put a photo up of Jude with his one month little plaque and um, to just sort of explain what he'd been through where we're at and just to keep people that didn't know in the loop we had yeah and we had people messaging us like you know how's motherhood how's parenthood you know and we're in PICU and they had no idea and yeah um, it was just to sort of make people aware but I even felt you know in that photo Jude looked terrible he I mean he looked super cute mm. but he was hooked up to so many wires and he still looks so sick yeah. and you I feel like you almost yeah. feel like you need to protect people protect other people yeah. from what you post um you yeah. know in, in a way like yeah. I feel like when I post a photo I'm really careful about what photo I'm posting and I know I've posted a couple of Jude post heart surgery and I actually posted them in black and white because I felt that it I don't know how to explain it maybe hid a bit more of what was going on didn't have as much yeah it wasn't yeah it wasn't so just in your face yeah Yeah. um yeah and then I'm thinking of other people do you know what I mean it's really hard yeah it's crazy
0: yeah. isn't it
2: like, um, yeah what are people gonna it's the say? same with
0: I know lots of yeah I know lots of NICU families who have completely not shared one photo of their baby when they were in hospital because yeah. they're so worried about upsetting other people and I'm like you are going through the hardest time of your life right now like you're allowed to lean on people right. and this is your baby you should be able to
2: yeah
0: share yeah. photos and celebrate them but I, I understand completely like there's this it, we all go through it. I think every single one yeah. of us goes through that. And wanting to be to share your story but not wanting to be too confronting with it. Um yeah. but then I just I always go back to this is this is real life, this is yeah. reality and we shouldn't have to make it look prettier than it is because yeah. I guess that's the problem with society, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, I think we're getting better and I think, you know, now i'm sure you're the same i log on to instagram on my miracle mama account and if i go into my search you know just look browse page it's just filled with with nikki babies and um children with disabilities and tube feeding babies and i just love it i'm like this is we've come come so far and i think you know it's going to be less confronting for people because it's it's more out there now and we're sharing more about it definitely um but, yeah, it's it's the easiest way to keep people in the loop. Like you said, when James was born, um, we obviously shared that he was born and he was early and and then I reckon nearly probably once a week or even once every few days I would do an update to everyone because it's just so much easier than trying to message so many people individually. Yeah, so I'd just definitely. do a post on Facebook um, saying what, his, what milestones he'd hit or where we were at and... Yes, yeah, because you don't have like I don't have the time or the headspace to be messaging no. everyone individually to give them an update.
2: So. And putting it on social media, yeah. it's the same thing as I said before. You know, if you've got people on your social media that don't want to read about it or comment or like it, that's fine. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, They yeah, their choice. For a little while, that's so, fine. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I found like, you know, I never got a nasty no. comment on my personal page at yeah. all. Like your family and friends, like you said, if they don't. If it's, if it's triggering or confronting for them, they'll just scroll past. They're not going to go and tell you not to share exactly. your photos. But um, it, it's a different story when you share it publicly on Instagram. You're opening yourself up to yeah. a little bit more criticism. But again, I feel like we've come so far and I don't, you know, I've been sharing Jack's story for nearly three years now. And like I said, there's only been very few instances where I've had the nasty comments and they're completely not a personal thing it's just they're trolls yeah 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 all right so how about you and Sam did you guys how did he cope with all of this and did you guys have any sort of impact on your relationship I
2: guess yeah he he Sam's a very sensitive person um he you know he coped well considering um we were both very supportive to each other which was really helpful I think the, just yeah. the trauma of it all we didn't really have a choice it was like flight or fight you yeah know? um and yeah. it definitely yeah, yeah definitely brought us closer we definitely had our moments as you can imagine anyone would um yeah. some stressful moments and stuff like that Just yeah, the stress yeah and I think like he's the only one that really understood how I was feeling because he was the only one that was really going through yeah. it directly you know um yeah, I could talk to my mum and my friends, but at the end of the day, it wasn't their child. Um, You know, it's just, it's, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. but And they're
0: not living that day in, day out.
2: No. And I mean, you know, my mum was, you know, it was her first grandchild. So she was absolutely over the moon with Jude and obviously still is, but Mm -hmm. that it really impacted her a lot too. But I I felt like I was protecting her a lot of the time as well. Um, yes you
0: know I do that a lot with my mum too I feel that yeah. yeah it's hard yeah and my mum feels stuff so deeply mm. with her kids yeah. so then when I always found if I had bad news to share I'd really struggle to, to tell my mum because I knew she was going to be hurting so deeply yeah um, and then you do you feel like you want to protect her from that
2: yeah, yeah I definitely feel that yeah. I remember um mm. having having a call mum um I've written it in my blog about when we were in mm. um, emergency and when this was yeah. all sort of unfolding and just like we're being told this information and then my you know one of my first thoughts is oh my god how am I going to call my mum and tell my mum tell- <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. and then I'm worrying yeah. about how she's going to be and it's just yeah. yeah it's it's a hard thing to navigate
0: yeah but we at that and I think at the same time, I just keep reminding myself that I'm so lucky to have someone yeah. that does care so deeply um, because a lot of people don't have that person um, or have that close family member that,
2: yeah. Yeah, we're very, very lucky.
0: But, yeah, I, my mum used to always say, you'll understand once you have kids of your own how deeply mm. you can feel <laughs> your child's pain. And now, obviously, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what you were saying.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And one day it'll be our boys doing it to yeah. us. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We'll be stressing about
0: them, and hopefully not to for this same reason. But no. yeah, you know, yeah, it's that, like we was saying earlier, that wanting to protect your child, no matter what they're going through, no matter what age. I think that extends. Yeah, and that'll be the you know, the rest of our life. We've got this, exactly. Tara, to I do. Know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so what about now? Um, you know, this is obviously going to be quite a long-term journey for you guys. Do You, you said that you stopped seeing a psychologist. Um, do you still have bad days? I'm guessing you still have some bad days and bad weeks. And how is your mental health now? And what do you sort of do um, when you are having a bad day to, I guess, gain support? You said talking to people. Is there anything else that you do when you know that you're struggling?
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely talking to people is the main thing. I do definitely, I have a lot of bad days, but I guess it just comes down to the triggers, Um, you know. Every so often there might just be something that triggers me um, and I might have a bad, yeah, (laughs) might have a bad few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not necessarily all day, you know. And I think like it's interesting because even though when we were going through everything, Sam and I were very much on the same page but I feel like it is a little bit different now in the sense of I think Sam's very much he's just you know Drew's doing great this is you know all the things he's doing he tries to sort of block out all of that that stuff that I worry about you know I'm the warrior and I'm the oh god what about this what about that um so you know he's kind of like you know we're just going to live in the now he's doing great whereas you know I'm like oh my god what's what's gonna happen if this happens or so I feel like we're yes. on sort of different wavelength there, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. We're definitely still there for each other yeah, when we you still yeah. like
0: you balance each other. Yeah, well. I think it's yeah. a,
2: a good thing. Yeah. Um in terms of what else I do, I don't really do much to be honest. I'm pretty like I'd say I'm pretty bad when I'm bad, if I'm honest. Um yeah. I'm yeah. I shut myself off um it's probably not great not healthy um but the main thing I do is just talking to people um yeah yeah. you sound very much
0: (laughs) like me and I think that we just get so used to we've we've had to deal with this Mm. on our own for so long that's what I keep I think I've just got so good at blocking everyone out um and just almost I don't know how to say this without sounding I'm not putting anyone down around me but just that people around me don't understand so I almost feel what's like I'm not going to get the support that I need if I do reach out so I just and I've gotten so good at just having you know maybe a bad week bluffing myself away from the world and then just dealing with it like getting on with life I'm like right I've had my bad time now um I felt what I had to feel wallowed in my own self-pity yeah (laughs) now it's time to pick myself up because you can't just keep doing that you've got to Keep going. Yeah, um,
2: that's
0: the world's not going to stop and wait while you no. lay in bed.
2: That's definitely so, me. Um,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I feel like you know, I sh- maybe I should be doing more, like maybe I should be going for a walk or things like that. But so I, I honestly just feel like I just need that well, bad. That's bloody exhausting. I oh, know. Like I just need <laughs> um, that bad to have a little bit of a bad time, feel a little bit sorry for myself, you know, and then pick pick yourself up and it's and fine. you have
0: to do it in your own time. Yeah. Like I. You know, there is, I'm only just now at the point where I'm, okay, I'm going for walks, Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing football. Um, you know, I'm doing these little things that a year or two ago I couldn't even no. have thought twice about. Like the thought of anything for myself was, it wasn't even possible, to be honest. Like it just wasn't possible. Yeah. Um. So I think you just do have to deal with things in your own time and I don't know, no one can ever tell you how you're going to, cope and what's best for you so at the same time like I know you can reach out for support and stuff but when I went and saw a psychologist the things that she was suggesting for me I was just like I'm not doing that like yeah <laughs> it's not possible and like she was telling me to have you know two hours each week to myself I'm like no one not one person yeah. can chew feet jack that is not possible yeah unless it's you know Got, but then she was telling us we needed to go on a date night once every couple of weeks. And I was like, well, no one else can have Jack. So that's not possible. Yeah. Like, it was just like, I know I know these are things that I should be doing. And I don't even need you to tell me that. I know that these are things that are going to improve my mental health. But it's physically not
2: possible. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I, and I'd even think, you know, I could have probably managed to go out for a walk once a week or even once every day if I prioritised that. But it was just not on my Yeah. List of priorities. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm the same. Yeah.
0: And certain like psychologists giving me um like when I was having those anxiety attacks and moments of panic and triggers and stuff, giving me these breathing exercises and all well and good, but I I was no good at that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, but I do think it is finding the right sort of mm. therapy for you as well and what works for you because you know some things just don't work for certain people um but in saying that I should have probably I should have probably found a therapist therapist or something that was going to work for me instead of just going this isn't working for me and not 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 following it up with anything but yeah
2: so that's exactly what I've done so I just yeah yeah, it wasn't (laughs) for me um I just didn't really click with this this particular therapist so I stopped and that's that's it so it's yeah it's hard you know I acknowledge the problem (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Probably a little bit too late. Yeah, but, um, but that's and that's the thing. I mean, we're so good at advocating for our children, and if we don't, if we get a therapist or something we don't like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna take that. We're not gonna deal with that. We're gonna go find them a better no. one. But when it comes yeah. to ourselves, we're so bad at looking after yeah. ourselves. Like I'm here fine. laughing, but it's
2: uh... I know because it's it's ridiculous though, isn't it? Like I know because
0: <laughs> I fought so hard for Jack, and I still do. Like if I'm not happy with something, I'm getting a second opinion. Yeah. Like, and I've just learnt that now because I know him so well and I know my gut generally spot on. But when it comes to myself, I am
2: yeah, yeah terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people like us out there. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hands
0: up, listeners, if yeah. you're like us, <laughs> I'm sure. Mm. 99% of us. Oh, dear. All right. And then I guess I wanted to touch on this. One other listener actually said that she felt when she got a diagnosis for her child, she felt literally nothing, um, no emotions, no, like it was just she said she couldn't, she didn't really take any of it on or deal with any of it until later on. And I think that's quite um, common as well. Um, I think, again, going back to that whole you're in survival mode and in that time you just are so busy with all of the stuff that comes with the diagnosis, whether that's, you know, for us it was the schedule of a, of tube feeding three hourly um, at, the, at the time I was expressing as well. So I literally had no time to even think twice mm. um, about anything but what I had to do the next hour. And for us it wasn't – we got a diagnosis that wasn't the end of the test. We were in every second day for, you know, swallow studies mm. or – pH probes or airway screens or x rays. Um, and then came the therapies after that. So initially, you don't even have time to comprehend. It. And that's what a lot of us go through is that initial shock and trauma. And then, like a year down the track, is, that's when it hits you. And that's when you go, shit, I haven't done anything to process this. Or I don't, all of a sudden, you're looking back and you're going, you know this is way more serious than I probably initially understood or yeah yeah, or even realized
2: yeah yeah it definitely especially I guess like you said it was a a bit of a long process like diagnosing Jack as well so I can imagine that would have been Mm -hmm. you know like you said you get you get a diagnosis but it's not necessarily a relief um yeah Yeah. I just yeah it's
0: such a weird it's such a weird word relief yeah it doesn't sit right with me I get I I think you know I 100% agree with it and there was an element of relief for me because it was almost it wasn't relief of the diagnosis though Mm. it was a relief of I've been heard I think was the main
2: and something's gonna happen to him
0: yeah but then there was no, in no way a relief that he was having a feeding tube. That was in no way a relief for me. It was a, like, this is absolutely shit and so unfair. Yeah. Um. So in that, like, I know some people literally have to fight so hard to be heard. Um. Whereas that wasn't the case for me. Um. I mean, it still took a long time to get a diagnosis, but really, yeah. Relief is just such a tricky word. Mm. I find it. Yeah. Uh, But it, Relief not for the diagnosis but for, you know, just being able to finally go, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, That <laughs> this is happening, there was something wrong. Because, um, you know, when you're five months of trying to tell people what you're seeing, um, you always do start to question mm-hmm. yourself and go, um, is this in my head? Am I, like, yeah. making up these symptoms? And it's stupid because I knew yeah. I wasn't. Um, again... Even more so being a nurse, I knew that Jack was working hard to breathe. I knew um, that that wasn't normal. Mm. Um, And his coughing and spluttering and constant hospital admissions, I mean, clearly not not a normal experience. But um, you do, you start to go. And even Scott, because he used to go, maybe he is just, it is just his premie lungs or maybe it is just that he's got an older brother that keeps bringing home germs. And once he started saying that, I was like, well, maybe it is. Maybe yeah. I am just looking for stuff that's not there. So I think that was the relief. I was almost like, okay, I'm
2: not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah.
0: crazy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that's what I was yeah. trying to say. Like what Sam sort of like. He's he's sort of like that. Like, oh, there's obviously an explanation behind it. Or you know, like maybe it's just this. Maybe it's sort of yes. normal. And I'm like, no, it's not normal. Like, listen to me. I know. Back what me is it? Like the men that have these. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Scott, we we we're, oh, we're so similar. Scott's a, Scott's very much the same, especially like we've recently had COVID and um, Jack was quite flat and awful um, for four days. And I'm just – I am I do have high anxiety about his health, I'm not going to lie. Like I probably look for stuff a lot more than Scott would and that's again, comes down to the fact that I'm a nurse mm. and I know what I'm looking for. Um, but, yeah, I'm just like – so many things like I'll say oh you know he's he's breathing really fast and because I'm nurse mum yeah sitting there counting his respirate like no one else is doing that but he's just like oh yeah but you know sit him down for five minutes and that'll calm down and it's probably because he's got a fever and it's actually like he's being reasonable but here's me going no no no." (laughs) like no yeah um yeah you just yeah and a lot of the times it's actually like you said it's good for me because I do need to just brought down Mm -hmm. a level and remind myself um, to be rational, yeah, um, and most of the time I end up being Ryan right Scott. You know, goes, <laughs> yeah, shit you were right. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it is good for me because I do panic, um, which is funny. I, you know, people say, oh, you must, you've got such an advantage being a nurse, but no, I actually still panic like every other mum. And um, I can
2: imagine that would almost be worse though for you in the sense of like. I think you, I know Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what it yeah. could be or you start thinking, like, oh, my gosh, it could be this. Or Whereas, you know, like, we've probably yeah, got and no I compare, idea. Yeah, I
0: compare him to, like, yeah, the babies that I've looked after and, you know, I, I pretty much – the doctors, they, they know it as well. Mm. They, if I ring them for advice, they're like, Amy, you're the last person <laughs> that would come in unnecessarily or, you know, panic unnecessarily. But I do – I'm still that mum that second guess is taking him to emergency. Mm. Um, like right down to the last second, like I'm packing my bag and then I'm not, and then I'm getting in the car and then I'm not. Like I am so in my own head, it's ridiculous. But yeah. I think, again, that comes down to a fear of what other people think. Like you don't want to be the one that's gone there unnecessarily, but everyone's oh, going to tell you that you're not wasting their time, but you still you still you're still worry about it.
2: Yeah, definitely. And this is a very
0: common comforting yeah, for most medical so. mums too <laughs> yep but it doesn't change being
2: a nurse <laughs> no no um we yeah. went to emergency a couple of weekends ago because um Jude had a little bit of like blood in his poo and it had happened a couple of times and yeah. you know because he's on new medication and stuff I was a little bit worried that it might sort of be something to do with that And he's got a little hernia where yeah. his um drain was and stuff so I was like look like I called health yeah. direct and I feel like I always need to get there sort of like, you know, they're yeah. like, yeah, probably go to ED. Yeah, well. like I just need them yeah, to confirm. It's like you just
0: need someone to back you up. Yeah, and they yeah. said,
2: you know, given his history, we think you should go to ED. So we went to ED and I just felt so silly. They said that they just thought he was constipated and I was like, okay, great, I'm that person that took my child to ED because <laughs> no. he's constipated. But like, you know, I think given the history I, I, I don't feel bad I yes, just was a bit embarrassed I yeah. was just like oh god and
0: do you know what the other end of the story like being a nurse I see parents go in for you know for the littlest yeah. things and I sit there and I tell them you know I understand like so I shouldn't be so hard on myself and no one else should be hard on themselves
2: yeah. um and it's better to get it checked anyway you know you feel like you can never be too exactly. careful
0: and I always I'm like you I always go through someone so I, at least that if at least then if I get there and they say oh no you don't need to be here I'm like oh well but I was yeah, told to they be they actually
2: no. asked me they were like oh like why yeah. have you come I was like oh health direct told me to <laughs> yes yeah exactly. not my decision <laughs>
0: yeah. and we get that we get that a lot at work and I'm like we're all just like bloody yeah no. <laughs> yeah
2: that's probably what they were <laughs> thinking they were really good though they were really thorough but um
0: yeah. I've been both sides of it. Like I've gone way too late to ED and mm. I've been told off leaving it too late. And then I've gone the opposite. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that again. So I go way too early and they're like, you don't need to be. Yeah. You just can't get it right. Yeah, and it's a fine line. I think it's just like you said, following following your gut and yeah, never feeling bad about it. It's Better to be safe.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. I reckon that'll wrap us up. Do you have anything else you wanted to
2: share? Um. No, nah, not really. I uh, I was maybe just gonna mention. I don't know if anyone else has sort of experienced this. I'll make it really quick, but um, like the no, physical, we got time. <laughs> the physical side of things when you go through like a trauma, like we have. Um, yeah. Like I experienced so many things. Like I obviously like with my feeding and everything. Um, I completely lost my lost my milk supply. Um. And then it came back and then it went away again and you have all of those sorts of troubles. Um, And I guess the other thing was my caesarean scar, which was pretty much healed, actually got infected, Um, which I believe I think it was just stress. I think my body just went, whoa, like I can't cope with this. And then I was dealing with an infected caesarean scar for two months while Jude was sick too. So I don't know if anyone else has experienced that as well.
0: That's real interesting you say that because – so many times I have ended up sick mm. when I've been in hospital with Jack. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the environment, you're surrounded by more germs and stuff, but I just get so worn down and I don't look after myself and the stress of that. Um, nearly every, i not kidding, every admission, and we were there quite frequently. Even when he didn't have a virus, I ended up with some sort of a virus or a cold or um getting sick and when I had Jack after I had Jack I was on the postnatal ward I ended up with a raging UTI um, to the point that they think it sort of hit my kidneys and I was on change from medication to medication to to treat that and I think it it does have a huge Mm. impact physically on us as mums and even dads um and like how how unhealthy it is just to be in that state of stress and fight and flight for so long especially in your case like for months of being in that and not being in your home environment or having access to food like good healthy food
2: and yeah um
0: yeah it's it's not it's
2: not healthy no i remember um i went and saw a doctor over in new south wales because i got given antibiotics over here um before we went and then obviously it still didn't heal I was having all sorts of troubles with it it was a nightmare and Mm. I went and saw this doctor and she was fantastic actually but she was like oh like you know what brings you in today and I told her about the the wound and she's like oh like it's a bit late for it to sort of be getting infected and she was like your blood pressure is really high Mm. I was like yeah look (laughs) sort of told her the story and she's like oh wow right okay that's that's Mm. fair enough and I feel like my body just must have gone into shutdown mode I think like it just completely yeah
0: and it is it's just doing again your body reacts to that stress and it's just doing everything to get through yeah through the day to get you through the day and it was I'm pretty sure it was my psychologist actually going back to that that said <laughs> you know your body is in fight or flight mode constantly mm. which is such so bad for yeah. you like having a high heart rate um constantly and even just the like I have the worst Neck and back, like mm. neck and shoulder pain, just from constantly being in this state of like
2: so tight you know, and like yeah, yeah
0: just stress. Yeah. And I've got a really bad jaw from grinding my teeth. Like all of this comes down to mm. um, like being being so so stressed so frequently. Um, so yeah, I, you're definitely not alone there. And I think it's it's not just short term; like it can have such long term
2: mm.
0: impact um yeah I say I'll never be the same yeah
2: again. oh definitely not
0: <laughs> my body's just like yep. a 90 year old yep, grandma but yeah hmm. yeah all right thank you Tara Aww. that's um that was good I was very we were laughing I was very unprepared for this episode yeah. um come in with not even one note on my notepad Not <laughs> even one it- question but um yeah, it's I, we've had a lovely chat again, and it does. It's nice when it just flows. I think a lot of what we've said is going to be very relatable. So thank yeah, you.
2: Definitely, it's very good. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Tara, for once again coming on and being your carefree self. It's so easy to talk to you, and it's really evident you speak from the heart and want to support others around you. I feel really honoured to have spoken with you twice, actually. And as with every guest, I feel like I've made a friend for life. I wanted to end this episode with one of my favourite quotes, which was written by Mary Ann Radmatcher, I think that's how I pronounce it, which I think will sit nicely here. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. And if there's one thing I know about you roars, it's that you will try again tomorrow and I see your courage. I hope you all have a lovely week and we'll be back in your ears next Monday with very special guests, Casey and Trent Brooks, two truly inspirational members of the Premier NICU and Loss community. Bye, guys. Love you all.